welcome to the Spooky Succubus cast, our triumphant return on our one-year anniversary for our 50th episode. And guess what? It's not going to live up to expectations. Welcome back. Welcome to be, welcome to disappointment. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry. Thank you guys for being graceful and like chill about our mental health break. We, so we went to, I went to Phoenix to visit Rebecca and we looked at each other and we like, we're going to record Rear Window like two weeks ago when I was there. And I think we just stared at each other and we're like, I don't want to do it. I can't do it. (laughs) To take a break. Um, So we both have full time jobs. Abby was job hunting. Yes. My hunt is over. I'm starting a new job on the 25th, so I'm super excited about it. Things are chilling out a little bit now. And yeah, we just really needed a break. And we're super excited to be back with our second season. Season two. Season two. And our 50th episode, which is like, think about it. We've done a lot of work. Like, it's a milestone. We should be proud. It's true. This is our sophomore album, you know. Often better than the freshman album. I would have to agree. We're Fall Out Boy. This is under the corkscrew or whatever. Cork tree. I don't remember the name of the album. But we're... (laughs) The point is... is (laughs) We're Fall Out Boy. Uh, So... You're Pete. I'm Patrick. Okay, I'm down for that. The end. (laughs) Pete dated uh, Avril Lavigne for a while, right? Listen, this is an unpopular opinion, and when I went to a party the other day, I was going to voice it, but... What are you doing I at parties? Don't know what I was doing at the party, but <laughs> I don't like Avril Lavigne. I never did. I think she's garbage. Um, I just have to say it. I guess she's I bad. have always... Okay, hold the phone. <laughs> what? Is it Pete, Pete Wentz knowledge? Pete Wentz! I'm looking at the photo of him now with long hair and a beard, and I'm like, not well. Hold on. Was it a good beard? Yeah, I don't know what he, he looks, looks like good. Now. Is he hot? Yeah. Let's Google it. I know that everyone else thought Pete Wentz was hot, but I was always a Patrick person. I love no, a round looks, boy. I love a blonde boy. I also boy. love a round boy. But he looks like fully adorbs with this long hair. Hold on. Uh-oh. Pete, this is the Pete Wentz podcast. Oh no, uh, this is who we are. Do you uh, remember? I never saw it, but do you remember there was a picture of his dick like like circulating the internet? I remember. I also have never seen it. Um, I don't like want to see celebrities. The thing dicks. is, I mean, I guess my argument would be like, if you've seen one dick. Uh oh, SpaghettiOs. No. I don't. Works for me. It works for me. <laughs> I like the sweater, I like the beard. I don't know. Anyway, I'm sure Pete is fine. He doesn't know. need he my approval. Um, what was I saying? I already lost my train of Welcome thought. Welcome to the Spooky Succubus guest. I'm looking at We're, We've of... lost our trains of thought. Uh, Patrick is so ew. Why? What's wrong with Patrick? Let's looks... look at him now. I don't have a problem with the roundness. I don't know. I think like. Is it the glasses? Is that he would probably talk down to you? I think it's his eyes, like they're just kind of dark and dead inside, and I just feel like he would be mean to me. I don't like want to look at him anymore. Okay. Anyway, I we dis- uh, we fundamentally okay, so disagree. Pete um, Wentz podcast. You don't like Avril Lavigne. Frankly, I don't care. She's out here existing, doing whatever she's. Did you hear that trash noise? I did hear the trash. <laughs> I was, um, I was you're taking me my, out. You're my just Pete Wentz. <laughs> 
discarding my Pete Wentz photo. Uh, I was like, I don't think I need this. Uh, yeah, I just don't care. Like, whatever, Avril. Like, you're not cool. Nobody ever really thought you were cool, but you had I think moment, some people you know? thought she was cool. That's the problem that I have with it, is that she's, like, not cool. I mean, anyway. did we ever really believe that he was a skater boy and she said, see you later, boy? I feel like I just never, it wasn't believable. And I like most Canadians, but I can't. Uh, name one anyway. Canadian you fucking hate. I can't do it. I was going to name a Canadian I love, and it's Scott Speedman, so. Okay, yeah. we Worlds. <laughs> okay, wait. I'm going to Google worst Canadian. <laughs> Alanis Morissette, lover. The Ten best. worst Canadian celebrities. Okay, we okay. do have. Talk okay. Put, they put Pamela Anderson 10th. Untrue. Oh, Pamela Anderson is amazing. Pamela Anderson. Just because she really leaned into the bombshell thing doesn't mean she deserves our ire. Like, it's not fair. I loved her. I loved when she was married to Tommy Lee. Those were great outfits. They looked awesome uh, together. He was abusive, but. What? Yeah. Man, what a bummer. They're like making a movie. I don't know the But context. now he's he's like married to that Vine queen, Brittany Furlan or whatever. Like, like famously. Uh, Michael Sarah is the ninth person on this list. I Michael Sarah. I don't know how you can rude. hate Michael Sarah. Like, who cares? He's great. Conrad Black? I don't know who that is. Neither do I. Gained a great deal of notoriety and fame when he became a convicted felon in the U.S. <laughs> on charges of fraud. Uh, Whatever. Fraud. Hollinger International, something, something. Okay, so he's a con artist. Whatever. Avril Lavigne, yeah. Uh, Nickelback generally is a problem. But it's just so made like, bad music. It's like you know, so passe to hate Nickelback. Uh, William Shatner. What did he ever do to you except for give you Star Trek, you know? He's Robin Thicke. I guess we can probably agree okay. on Robin Thicke. You can have yeah. Robin Thicke. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Shanae Grimes. I don't know who that is. I think she's a singer. Justin Bieber. Also, yeah, we don't really need him. Whatever. And, uh, Rob Ford, the crack smoking mayor of Toronto. Okay, sure. You can have Rob Ford. Whatever. Well, None of those yeah. are great. I mean, none of them are great. I think we can agree Robin Thick. Like he's yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, Keep him. We don't need him. <laughs> Send him back we, to Canada. We, so six minutes into our episode, have we mentioned what movie we're covering we, today? I don't even think we mentioned what this podcast does. This podcast is an anti-racist, anti-capitalist, intersectional feminist, community care-centric podcast about horror movies through a lens that is intersectional and focused on the communities that are historically marginalized by the horror oeuvre. Um, do you see Frankie behind me? I do. She's like, this couch is... She's at least quiet, but she is trying to get the right (laughs) spot on the couch, and it's taking some elbow grease. I'm Abby. I'm Rebecca. And we're your hosts for another season. Today, we're starting strong with a heavy hitter, Rear Window. Wow. We didn't do research. I tried, but everybody's just like voyeurism. Hitchcock. A very, like light amount of research like i've I mean, got i'm gonna like drop a, like a little satra at you so ooh, ah, forget ooh. about it a <laughs> yeah. salt, salt bay but it's satra bay yeah <laughs> um, yeah i feel like i was like okay there's voyeurism and then it was like oh we hitchcock like 
you know, interrogates the part of the human nature that wishes to be a voyeur. I was like, okay, that's kind of boring, but whatever. I think, like, it's well-trodden territory, honestly, probably all Hitchcock movies, but that I think that a lot of academic papers are basically saying the same thing and citing each other and giving, like, this, like, Alfred Hitchcock circle jerk, and no one is really investigating his relationship to the females in his movie. Or the women that he's portraying on scene, no one's really giving a voice to that. And so I think we could do that uh, with research that we have done in the past and, like, our knowledge of uh, the genre. So, Rebecca is... (laughs) Rebecca is a Rebecca and Abby apologist. (laughs) (laughs) Don't come for us. Uh, We know we're wrong, so you can't tell us anything else. (laughs) Yeah, we're just trying to live the same as you. If you're here, uh, you're here because of your own actions. So we can't listen, tell you. You hit play on that. Yeah. I blame you. I blame you as well. <laughs> <laughs> so happy 50th episode, Bex. I love you. Wow. I love you too. I love everyone listening as well or not listening. I love you guys too. But whatever. I, uh, yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Okay. So here we go. Rear Window, directed by Alfnard Hitchblock. In 1954. I love his work. Famous. Have you seen The Pigeons? It's my favorite movie. (laughs) Oh, that was a good one. So upbeat big band music plays over the opening credits and blinds in an apartment slowly open, revealing a view on a city street. So this is so hard, like obviously a soundstage, but I feel like it's supposed to be like clear that it's a soundstage, right? Like. I mean, it's kind of incredible that they built this whole mind-bogglingly cool. Like, and it had like a drainage system for the rain sequence. It's most of the apartments were like not most, but several of the apartments were fully furnished, fully electrical, full plumbing. Like, amazing. Wild. I mean, I loved it. Like, but I think that you know, it's it looks like a city block and a courtyard, but it also looks like a soundstage and like. It looks constructed because it's supposed to feel like really close and really claustrophobic. An incredible feat. Absolutely incredible. I loved it. It has that like 1950s like sunlight lighting, which like reminds me. Yeah. It's like uh, How to Marry a Millionaire, like that kind of like oh weird God. New York City daylight lighting. Like it's Greenwich Village, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love it. <laughs> So the camera pans around the neighborhood uh, at residents starting their day, and it lands back on a sweaty Jimmy Stewart, who is portraying photographer. So sweaty. So sweaty. And, like, why are you wearing long-sleeve pajamas in the summer? Why? Also, like, they make a point of it, but he sleeps in his wheelchair when he has a bed that's also near the window. Can we talk about the cast? Can we talk about the cast? (laughs) So we know that Here he lies has the bones. <laughs> <laughs> um, we know that he has a nurse, Stella, who comes in. We know that he's wheelchair bound. We know that the cast comes up above his private parts because he sticks like the back scratcher down like in there to scratch. How how is he going to the bathroom? How's he going to the bathroom? He's got a catheter. How? Nobody he, talks but about. He's got a catheter. Like, how is he getting his poop out? Do you poop out of a catheter too? He just sticks it out the side. He just like 
slides it out the back. I don't I don't know like how I think maybe the cast just comes up above the hip on the front side and then wraps around the back maybe. You think it comes mm. above the hip and leaves the junk out, you think? And leaves yeah, like the butt. Like and junk the... and butthole out. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the hard hitting issue I wanted to address. This is today. the real semantics of the situation. When you think about how bad he must smell, especially when you see Grace Kelly come in looking ethereal, gorgeous, wafting in, smelling of violets, incredible, and, and the smell, like sunshine, the smell coming off of that cast in a New York City heat wave. Run, run, Lisa. We also know like he can't take care of himself. Like, yes, you're in a wheelchair. You can still leave your house. Like I don't know what's really preventing you from like. I doubt leaving. that he can take care of himself, even when his leg is not broken. Yeah, he seems like a garbage person, an adult anyway. baby. So LB Jeffries is a photographer recovering from a broken leg in New York during a heat wave, as discussed. His editor Gunnison calls and lets him know he's missing out on a big assignment. Uh, he watches his neighbors while they talk, including a sexy dancing lady and an arguing couple. I'm upset. Like It's upsetting. Miss Torso, number one, doesn't get an actual name. Her name is Miss in the Torso, credits. Yeah. given to her by the douchebag in charge. LB the smelliest Jeffries. man in the courtyard. Well, uh, I'll... I'm sure we'll talk more about this later, but only the women get degrading nicknames. So there's mm-hmm. Miss Hearing Aid, Miss Lonely Hearts, Miss Torso. Uh, that might be it. And then the and other then people. I mean, we the like Thorwalds. The Thorwalds, yeah. That's um, it. And is Miss Hearing Aid the lady that's the sculptor that's making like the Henry Moore style sculptures? Yeah, I didn't even understand. Like, I think this is just like. You know, it's something that happened in the 50s that I didn't. But the hearing aids, she's wearing it around her neck. And at first yeah. I didn't understand, like, because Miss Torso is dancing in the first scene. She's, like, making a lot of noise in her apartment. And below her is Miss Hearing Aid. And she, like, makes, like, a cranking noise to, like, crank it down. Yeah. And I was like, what the fuck is she doing? And then later the the woman's like, good morning. And then she, like, can't hear. And she's like, good morning. And then she turns her hearing aid up. But I didn't know what it was. Yeah. I was confused. Well, now I we know. Be Miss Hearing Aid. She seems like she's fucking rad. It actually seems great to walk around not hearing what people are talking about. All Making the time. sculptures called you're, the Hunger. I want to do that. You're talking to me. I didn't hear you. I'm unable to. God, I love to ignore people. It's my favorite thing. Here, bye. So uh, his cast looks like it was smell. I wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> His nurse, Stella, arrives. She says she can smell trouble and doesn't like how he watches the neighbors. It's because she can smell him and he smells bad. Whilst she is massaging him, he complains about his incredible girlfriend, Lisa Fremont, saying she wants him to marry her, but he doesn't want to, essentially because he's she's too perfect, like ideal woman or whatever. So Stella gives him some well-deserved shit. And also want to note that she does use the term petting party, which was funny. Uh, uh, but she's like, she thinks that because she doesn't know Lisa. Oh, she's she like, she's knows. pretty. Just marry her. Yeah. Right. All that you need to do is have marry a pretty woman. She also says like this really weird anti-communist line of like, we've become a race of peeping Toms. And what people ought to do is get outside their house and look in for a change is like, 
we'll get into the McCarthyism of it, but uh, <laughs> it's very McCarthyist. But frankly, Stella was just like so misled and ridiculous. I kind of just was like, shut up. <laughs> I she is like ridiculous. I don't think like she's calls herself an insurance nurse, but she's massaging him. Is that yeah, her job? I feel like- if an insurance nurse is coming by, they're just like, okay, you're still here. You're healing. Got it. Like, I can report back. Like, you don't have to, like. She's putting her hands on a shirtless LB Jeffries and massaging him. She's not getting paid enough for that. I mean, and it's, like, oily. Like, it's it's yeah. wet. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it either. Um, huh. Across the courtyard, uh, Jeff spies a newly married couple moving into their apartment. He's like, well, you'll be upset in a little bit when your old ball and chain is nagging you because women be nagging and telling you to, you know, do shit you don't want to do. Later, Lisa, the played to perfection by Grace Kelly, arrives to visit. She brings him a very fancy dinner, is extremely kind to him, but he's still grumpy as shit. He's dismissive of her her career in fashion, which she seems to have established of her own volition and seems to like have a successful career and is really good at it. And he mocks her. He uh, she suggests that he leave the magazine and start his own studio so he doesn't have to travel and says that she can get him work, which is legitimate. And he laughs at her and calls what she does nonsense. So that's cool. He's a great guy. Okay, so. Uh, Jimmy Stewart, who plays L.B. Jeffries, was 44, 46 when this came out. Yeah, and he looks it. He looks, looks like it. shoe leather. <laughs> he looks a fit like a 50s 44, 46, which looks like a like, like a you're modern smoking 60 and like you're drinking scotch for like lunch. Yeah. Uh, and Grace Kelly is this like charming, like wafts in on a cloud sort She's of like, like I'm going to be a princess in two years, actually. <laughs> a beautiful 24-year-old woman, and she is being dismissed. Like, it's, like, the, mm, I have to Cognitive suspend my belief dissonance. too much to be like, you want this fucking You're like, guy? I am watching you scratch your butt crack with a piece of bamboo right now. Disgusting. S- disgusting. <laughs> go out there and find literally anyone else. Like, I guess go get your own lobster thermidor, asshole. Jesus. So she goes to get dinner ready, and he watches a woman across the courtyard prepare for a romantic dinner. Uh, but it soon becomes clear that she is not going to have a dinner guest, and she just kind of pantomimes a date to herself while alone. And Jeff nicknames her Miss Lonely Hearts. They watch Miss Torso, who is a ballet dancer practicing her craft in her home, who never asked anyone to get up and look her at shit her and yeah. look at her. She's entertaining men, and she's, you know, whore. And then Lisa, go Lisa, says she's doing a woman's hardest job, juggling wolves. Honestly, like being surrounded by four wealthy, probably slightly drunk men is the most danger a woman could be in by herself. White men, you mean. White, white men. Yeah. Well, we don't even have to specify that in reference to this movie because there's nary a person of color in the film. Everybody's white. So, yeah, also like. You know, not classist, but you have a studio apartment. These men have to have better places to party. No offense to your apartment. like It's because they're with, like, a hot girl, so. Take them for all they're worth, Miss Torso. Honestly, good for you. And I wish I could call you by your given name, Miss Torso, but a misogynist invented you. 
for the male gaze. It's true. She looks like um, maybe like a Catherine or uh, yeah, like Mabel. A, a Mabel. That's a good name. I like okay, Mabel because she's kind of fun. She's spunky. Yeah. So the arguing couple from earlier, Lars and Anna Thorwald, talk while the piano player, who is played by Ross Bagdasarian, an Armenian immigrant who wrote the Chipmunks Christmas theme. You're welcome from Armenia love, to you. <laughs> love it. I w- you were so you were listening to that when we first got on the Zoom call, and I was like, ah! but I love it. I, Rocking out. You know the funniest thing. So as every listeners may know, um. My sister and I are, like, fourth-generation Armenian, and we have had a couple of cats over the years named after two of the chipmunks by accident. We've had a Simon and a Theodore. Oh, my God. It's all for you, Russ. (laughs) So, okay, piano player's playing. LB and Lisa are arguing about the differences in their lifestyles. He says she's not meant for the kind of life he lives. Clearly you're not either because your dumbass has a broken leg. She says she's in love with him. You can do better and doesn't care what he does for a living. She just wanted to be a part of his life. Very vulnerable and honest. She decides to leave and says goodbye. And he's like, wait, can't we just keep like making out and necking? Having petting uh, he parties? He uses the term status, status quo. Status quo. He's such a dirtbag. What and an asshole. I just want to keep like having you feed me and like having you like rub your beautiful face on me without actually like offering you anything concrete in your life. Great guy. After Lisa leaves, Jeff hears a scream, shattering glass, and someone screaming, don't. Later, he clocks Lars Thorwald, leaving the apartment around 2 a.m. with his sample case. He's a traveling jewelry salesman. And he returns and leaves several times with the sample case. He falls asleep for a while. Mabel comes home, followed by a predatory man trying to break into her apartment. And we're like, funny! Not funny, man. Terrifying. (sighs) Yeah, she's like... Don't put your foot in the door. Ter- like, God, how much things have like, not changed. It's please upsetting. Please don't violently assault me in my own home because you think you just, like, deserve to. Deserve it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm burping. Gross. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Lars Thorwald comes back and Jeff falls asleep again. The next morning, the neighborhood is... Oh, and while Jeff is asleep... Lars secrets a woman in black out of the apartment. The next morning, the neighborhood's bustling. He tells Stella what he saw with the salesman, and they notice that Lars is looking out the window suspiciously. Jeff escalates very quickly, busting out his binoculars and watching the salesman. Listen, I love a binocular, you know? Do you people watch with binoculars, or do you, like, bird and stuff and, like, you know, check out the views? I have, like... I don't know. I think it's interesting. Like if I'm walking, like if I'm walking the dog and it's nighttime. Hello, dog. Look at her. She's so cute. I thought uh, it was funny, like that you're recording with Frankie. Yeah, <laughs> Frankie has a lot to say. Her ears went up when you went back. She was like, "Huh? Who?" Um, but if I'm walking the dog and it's nighttime and your lights are on in your house and your windows are open and I can see them, I'm looking in there. That's your I'm problem. I'm gonna yeah. look in there. Like I just. I, I can't not do it. And it's like a like a human instinct. If I'm in my house and my windows are open and my lights are on, like you're probably going to look at me. 
that's it's not like if i mean when i leave the blinds up i do it with the expectation that whatever i do will be viewable we used to live in a like a high rise when we lived like outside of boston uh we lived on the seventh story, and that's not like the highest story, but we weren't around a lot of buildings, but we were around like enough buildings. Yeah. And I basically treated it as though you couldn't see me because, like, no one is close enough to like really interact with me. Like, you can't see the windows from the ground floor if you're looking up. So, like, I just kind of did whatever with all the windows open all the time because I like I mean, natural sunlight. What are you going to do? Yeah, I'm not going to like. It takes effort to close my blind, like close them, open them, close them, open them. No. If you can see my tits from the train station, you probably could. I can't do anything about it. You don't know who I am. Whatever. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? But anyway. Uh, Yeah. So binoculars, salesman loading up his sample case and looking out the window like, huh, huh. Uh, binoculars are not doing it, so he busts out his camera on, like, a telescope long-view lens, which is, like, the classic thing you see at your window, him, like, holding the camera. Mm-hmm. And sees the salesman packing away a hacksaw and a knife in a newspaper. It's just, like, it would never be that clean. I mean, you can't just kill someone in an apartment and have, like, as little no blood as, as he created. It's unreasonable. Yeah. I don't know. Men can kill women with their bare hands. Like. I mean, but he hacked her up. Like, we know he hacked her up, and there's, like, so little evidence. Spoiler alert. As Stella said, in the bathtub. Like, he, you know, strangled her, cut her up, put her in the bathtub. True, true. Lisa returns and, again, is extremely thirsty for this, like, literal garbage person that offers nothing. Blech. they're making out, uh, but he just wants to talk about Lars Thorwald cutting up his wife. Uh, Lars returns with a length of rope and enters the wife's bedroom. Uh, Lisa calls Jeff out for acting strangely, but he's insistent that something is wrong and the wife has gone missing. They banter, but then Lisa spots the salesman rolling up his wife's mattress and tying a large trunk close with a rope and begins to believe him. This is the difference between men in horror movies and women in horror She's movies. She's like, oh, yeah, something's up. Like, totally agree. Yeah. Like, I, I was wrong. I'm yeah. on her side. Whereas men are like, no. I'll I, die instead of acknowledge yeah. that you could be That correct. a woman was right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're so cute. I love you. Hmm. All right. Lisa does some recon on their postal box and finds out their names. Jeff calls in NYPD. I'm sorry. I have to adjust my glasses. Stand by. (laughs) Falling off the face. We are about to be introduced to a man worse than LB Jeffries, if you can even imagine. If you can believe it, yeah. Sorry. Rub those eyes. The allergies are stupid here. Did you hear that? I farted. I'm sorry. (gasps) My butthole. Uh, Yes. So he calls Detective Tom Doyle to come in and check it all out. And movers come in and take the trunk out. Doyle comes by and admits that it seems suspicious, but he disbelieves Jeff. He digs around and says the Thorwalds left the apartment at 6 a.m. the previous morning to put Mrs. Thorwald on a train to the country. Jeff pushes back and says the story is unsubstantiated and wants to know if anyone saw Mrs. Thorwald get on the train. And then he tries to pressure Doyle to search the apartment. 
Doyle says a postcard was in Thorwald's mailbox from Anna confirming her arrival upstate. Later, Jeff watches as Miss Lonely Hearts goes to a restaurant across the street. Lars returns and begins packing. Jeff calls Doyle and then watches as Lars makes a long-distance call and rifles through his wife's purse, wife's purse, which contains all her jewelry, particularly a notable gold band at the end. <gasps> Lisa arrives and Jeff fills her in. Doyle is still at large and Lisa is troubled, finding it curious that Anna left her purse and jewelry behind. She believes the witnesses saw Thorwald with a woman, but that it's Lars's mistress that he plans to marry. Lisa decides to spend the night. Horny Gross, alert. Lisa. Don't There's like a that. whole thing with the lingerie. I don't care to outline it. Uh, uh, Hitchcock picked out that lingerie specifically. Ew, what a potato. What a predatory potato, man. Disgusting, yeah. At least it's not like, it's like kind of just like a pink dress. It's not that I, like. I'd wear that in public, yeah. Not that scandalous, yeah. You'd but wear it in public. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, hot stuff. Um, <laughs> Doyle arrives looking concerned and asks what Jeff knows about Thorwald. Tom gets a call and then Lars then says Lars is not a murderer and that he put his wife on the train with many witnesses. He insults Lisa's feminine intuition and says he found the trunk with Mrs. Thorwald's clothes in it safely delivered. Doyle leaves. Mm. Miss Lonely Hearts brings home a gentleman who tries to assault her. Women be getting assaulted in this movie. Okay, we, this is 1954. We had yet to see a toilet flushing on in a movie, but we can watch two women nearly get assaulted. When is the first toilet flush in a movie? Psycho, in like 1961, I think. Oh, wild. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I think we were talking about this on the pod before, but when... Um, you used to like not be able to watch people vomit on screen. We would right. watch it would be like blurred out or like off screen. But yeah, and now no, like, it's like whole TV shows devoted to just like people vomiting. Like yeah, jackass. but like rape is fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So yes, the gentleman tries to assault her. When she resists, he gets pissed at her and leaves. And she's like, "No, what have I done? Like you've fended off an assaulter, and like you're a strong person that didn't die. So good." Lisa draws the blinds and puts her lingerie on to try to relax, but a scream is heard. The neighborhood dog. Oh, also, I love the owners of the neighborhood dog that just pull their mattress out on their balcony to sleep under the stars. It's cooler out here, yeah. Yeah. There was no air conditioning units. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So their little dog has been strangled to death. The dog's owner cries and admonishes the neighbors for killing her little baby. Jeff notices uh, that that everyone... neighbor is a communist. I'm gonna say it. I love her. her. Comrade neighbor. Honestly. Jeff notices that everyone came to the window except for Thorwald. Later, Stella, Lisa, and Jeff try to figure out why Thorwald killed the dog. <gasps> he realizes that the dog was killed because it was digging around in the flower garden, and there must be something buried there. Jeff writes Lars an unhinged note asking what he did with the body, which Lisa delivers. And like him re- writing this note is like, <laughs> like ah, sir, yeah, like- you're like a professional journalist. Do you not know how to use a pencil? <laughs> no, he's holding it so strangely and, and aggressively. Like, that is just so not how I would form letters. Like, not that there's a right and wrong way, but good God, Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> 
So Lisa delivers it at great personal risk to her health and wellness. Um, the note clearly disturbs Lars when he reads it. Uh, meanwhile, Miss Lonely Hearts is getting ready to commit suicide um, with some pills that Stella recognizes, but she's like, oh, whatever. <laughs> um, it takes them way too long to realize yeah, what's I'm happening. Yeah, like, uh, with yeah, her. it's like pretty clear what's happening. Lars picks up Anna's handbag and they realize that she left her wedding band behind, the gold ring that he had in his hand while he was making a long distance call. Jeff calls Thorwald in an, another unhinged move in an attempt to get him out of the apartment, telling him to meet him at the Albert Hotel bar. The gals head down to dig up the garden, but they don't find anything, so Lisa impulsively climbs the fire escape to enter the Thorwald's apartment. She rifles through drawers and eventually ends up leaving uh, Anna's handbag out on the bed. Meanwhile, Stella and Jeff have finally clocked that Miss Lonely Hearts is about to swallow a bunch of pills, so they call the police to report it. But Miss Lonely Hearts hears the beautiful piano music of an Armenian gentleman and uh, decides not to. So that's good, I guess. <laughs> I feel like it's not Oof. exactly how it works, but whatever. Oof, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not great. So Lars returns, and while they have the police on the line, Jeff reports that she's being assaulted in that apartment. Lisa has to hide, but then he finds her and attacks her. The police arrive and intervene, and Lisa signals that she was able to get the wedding band. Lars's eye is drawn from the ring to Jeff's apartment, and they turn the lights off, but he already knows they've signaled someone. Because the lights are, are so on Le- and are suddenly yeah, like, off. They're like... Dumb. Yeah. Also, like, Jeff calls Lars to tell him to go to a specific bar. Why not pick a bar on the other side of New York City? Like, Yeah, they're like, we'll just do the one around the corner. Yeah. Literally. Like, why does it have to only be 15 minutes? I don't understand. Right. You could be an hour. <laughs> You're, like, tell him to take a taxi. Or Honestly, else. everything was moving so fast. I had to, like, rewind a couple of times because it's just, like, so action-packed. Mm-hmm. And also Doyle. not. And nothing's happening. <laughs> True. So Lisa's on her way to jail. Uh, Doyle calls and Jeff tells him that Lisa's been arrested, but she managed to get the wedding ring out. Uh, he tells Doyle about the long distance phone calls, the dog and his other suspicions. They hang up. The phone rings again and uh, Jeff assumes it's Doyle and is like, he's escaping. Uh, but then it's also it's actually Thorwald. So realizing it's Thorwald, he like kind of hunkers down. Uh, and then he hears a door close in the distance and footsteps approaching. This is the funniest scene in the whole movie. He gra- grabs a flash and some bulbs. As Thorwald enters, he like flash bulbs him into submission. But it's but it, so slow. It's extremely it's like, slow. It's like, boop, yeah. Oh, it doesn't work. <laughs> Full on, he's like getting strangled. <laughs> Because so, of the time it takes for him to like reload the film, he's like, or the bulb to like, like put a new. The bulb guy in, is walking like, towards him. Yeah. So uh, he asks I think Jeff, it would be maybe suspenseful, but it's like pretty comical now. It's very silly. He asks Jeff what he wants, saying Lisa could have turned him in, but she didn't, and he wants the ring back. Whatever. So, uh, Thorwald starts to strangle him and hangs him out the window. Cops enter the apartment and manage to get Thorwald off of Jeff, but it's too late. He drops, and it's so fucking funny, honestly. The way he drops, like, it's, oh. like, so, oh, God, it's so A fake. couple of uh, KKK members break his fall, and uh, 
A cop yells out of the apartment that Thorwald is ready to take them on a tour of the East River. Stella hey, is Johnny, the- throw me the thirty-eight. That was like my favorite. Like, and then he did nothing with it. He's like, like, I, I just got to hold it and waste time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so he said he moved. Stella asks him to ask what was in the flower garden, and he said that he moved what was buried there because the dog was getting too inquisitive, and it's in a hat box in his apartment. So what Al's- is it? Her head. Uh, what's in the box later the piano player and miss lonely hearts are in love the basket lady has a new puppy uh and miss torso aka mabel's boyfriend stanley returns from the army jeff is napping in a double cast while lisa reads about the himalayas but when she realizes he's asleep she switches to a fashion magazine which is not, not as charming as i think it was intended to be it's not charming read whatever the fuck you want to read i it's your literally your job, number one, and two, you can read fashion magazines if that's what you want to do. It's still reading. Yeah, who cares? Still okay. Uh, all of this. Where to begin? All this could have prevented, uh, been prevented in just like a year or two when televisions were more um, prominent in homes. Like, imagine not having a TV. How weird. I know. I mean, I think I would have used my time differently than L.B. Jeffries did, even if I had no television. Um, <sighs> napping comes to mind. Reading. Crossword puzzles. Reading. Love a crossword puzzle. Snacking. Although I'm not good at it. I would have taken up knitting. I'm actually crocheting. pretty good at crossword puzzles. Yeah. Maybe a, a Sudoku. I'm better at Sudoku, even though I'm terrible at math. I, mean, I think it's like even... a pattern thing. Like cooking, um, you can still cook. Cook, I could cook, but I think uh, as uh, demonstrated in the episode we just recorded, I can never remember the names of things or like what things are called. So I believe it. you may struggle with object permanence. Maybe you're running around with some undiagnosed mental health issues, like ADHD. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> uh, that's what we were talking <laughs> the other day. I had to work. Like a really long shift, and I had so many, so many caffeine beverages. And <laughs> so many caffeine. <laughs> I work at like a late night bar club, and this one guy who was like definitely taking and selling drugs was like, maybe you should just do drugs. I was like, no. I was like, maybe, ha ha ha. But I was like, I'm not good at drugs. And then I was like, also, caffeine doesn't have any effect on me. Because I have ADHD. It just kind of makes me sleepy. But then I'm like, but caffeine is supposed to make me. So then I just continue consuming things that are caffeine. It makes you sleepy? Uh, coffee, coffee, like sometimes, it depends. Depends on the situation. But a lot of times coffee just makes me sleepy. My dad too. He Like I'll drink coffee like and then like immediately take a nap. I will say it doesn't keep me up. Like I know some people won't have caffeine after a certain time of day. Because it'll keep them awake. But truly nothing stops me from falling asleep at like 10.30. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you could take Adderall since like you probably should be taking Adderall. I have taken an Adderall. uh, Kind of worried that it would make me like a little crazy like it makes some people. And I was mostly just like regular. I like didn't. I only took half of one because I wasn't sure what would happen. So you were regular like. Like a way a regular person is. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so yeah. maybe we need to 
uh, beef up that Patreon. Rebecca has no health insurance, people. She's, she's I'm undiagnosed. Undiagnosed uh, ADHD. ADHD. Currently yeah. a menace to society. <laughs> Please help. Honestly, I'm mostly just a menace to myself. But really, like, I know, like, TikTok is stupid, but, like, watching ADHD TikTok is, like, really made me under... Because I, like, growing up, I always thought ADHD... Like, because I was always really good at school. I always did really well. Like, I have the ability to focus, but sometimes it's just, like... You just can't. It's harder. Yeah, it's just, like, harder to do. Uh, And even reading, I read and I also usually play music at the same time Mm because I need, like, two things to focus on. But watching a TikTok is, like... ADHD isn't like, oh, there's a squirrel outside. It's like, oh, I have to do this, but then before I do that, I should do this, and then this other thing should yeah, happen. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Halfway through doing that thing, I'm like, oh, I should do this other oh, thing. Oh, shit, like I have this other thing. Hey! But anyway, the animals this is an are ADHD. <laughs> this is the ADHD cast. Uh, TikTok has taught me a lot about things that are anxiety reactions mm. for me that I didn't know about. Like, I realized that um, not being able to shit in public... And not, it's not like I was uncomfortable, but I would do it. It was like I would make myself sick, like, not to shit in public. Rather like, than shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, I would go to summer camp and hold my shit for, like, Frankie. Leave I'm so glad that you weren't having anxiety when we went camping, though. That was good. Honestly, now that I, like, understand what my anxiety reactions are and, like, I used to be so afraid of, like, sleeping in unknown places. But when I was like, oh, that's, like, an unwarranted. Whoa! She's chasing the cats. That's, you know, like, a reaction that my brain is manufacturing that is, like, not related to reality. It's, like, easier to fall asleep. I still have, like, you know, my crutches. Like, my Bob's Burgers and stuff. But Love a Bob's Burgers. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's just like, I'm just like a nervous shitter. And I was like, no, like, even if you're nervous about shitting in public, you still, like, if you're, like, neurotypical, you respond to your body's needs and go poop. But I was like, no, I'll just, like, hold it for seven days. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love pooping. I'll poop anywhere. Um, I have also become a poop anywhere. I mean, you have to at a certain point, like... I mean, I don't love when I'm, like, the only other person in a silent, multiple-stall bathroom, like, and I know it's going to be, like, not that cute, like. American <sighs> bathrooms are maybe this one of the strangest places. Why are our bathroom stalls, why do they have gaps in them? I should be do able they to want see us the to person suffer? on the other side. Uh, also, like, there should be music playing, because not everyone is, like, an easy pooper, you know? Yeah, when I, we were camping, this girl and I entered the bathroom like pretty much at the same time i think i told you this we both like clearly were like holding out for the other person to leave so we could just like unleash hell (laughs) i ended up cracking because i was like i can't like take the emotional stress of this anymore i like need to let this woman poop and i'll come back like a little later (laughs) uh i drink a lot of coffee like i said before and i used to my commute into boston used to be like an hour and a half. Oh my hours, god! Depending, and oh, I've had like near misses, like shitting on the train near misses for sure. Oh yeah, uh, and it was so my stop. I had to stop in South Station with those like bathrooms where like it, it's like like a tunnel, like it's a maze, like you'll never get out. And I always used, ended up. Oh yeah, I have to use poop. The South I gotta Station go. bathrooms in South Station. Yeah, it's like the grossest bathroom. 
ever. But anyway, so it's like if I can poop there, I can poop anywhere. It's true. I really enjoyed pooping at the canyon. I mean, it was like I feel great. I feel like ready to take on the day. Yeah. I wasn't ready to take on the day, but that's okay. Part of that is us not wanting to be perceived as humans, which is part with like human function. Of this movie is like. Which we are actually talking about. Our perception, right? Uh, So, like, did you know that rear window has a lot to do with voyeurism and surveillance? Did you know that? I had never in my life heard that before. Let's dive in. So. I don't know. It just seems, like, so obvious. I don't know. It feels like a very, like, film student kind of thing to, like, be like, oh, this is about, this movie is about voyeurism and surveillance. It's like, yeah, da-doy. This dude is looking out his fucking window. It's, like, happening during McCarthyism. Like, the surveillance state is in full effect. Like, we get it. Yeah. Yeah, like, we get it. And I don't know. Now, hopefully, we're coming to a place where everyone will be a communist someday. But uh, I mean, in some ways, it is a communist statement, like engaging with your community. Community care leads to like justice, good things. But because it's also like weaponized uncomfortably by a white man against like mostly women. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I was going to say people of color, but if there were people of color to marginalize, Jeff would have done it. There just weren't. Yeah, it was, there's only white people in this movie, but yeah. So like he observes a man killing his wife and then uses his, like his observance and his like sort of connection to his community to turn him in and get justice for this murder. But he's also like, not going all the way in. He's still, like, a step removed from this community that he, like, can literally spit on. He's so close to it. He, like, doesn't take the time to learn anybody's names or talk to them or get to know them when all it would take is to, like, lean out the window and learn his horse's actual name um, and his hearing aid. Does he seek justice and seek, like, the murder, like, solving the murder because of community care and because of concern for Anna Thorwald's, like, well-being or because of his own pride, self-righteousness, and, like, belief in his own superiority. So it's kind of, like, it's very, like, much, like, a very twisted and, like, unwholesome approach to, like, how community can work. Right. Because, uh, like, yeah, there can be anti-communist, because Stella is our, like, anti-communist stand-in, which is, like, we've become a race of peeping Tom. She's a, she's a McCarthyist. Uh, or she's not, a, you know, she's not spying on anyone. She thinks that we're doing too much spying um, when it's really just, like, you should maybe go talk to your neighbors. But yeah, um, it's also, like, his observance of his community led to this apprehension, no matter how he went about it. And it's also, like... right. Miss Lonely Hearts as fucked up and as, like, terrible as the portrayal of her mental health issues are. Like, she was saved by, like, listening and and taking part in, like, this her surroundings. And, like, Jeff knew Miss Lonely Hearts was mentally struggling. It's very clear. She's not well. And instead of, like, performing a wellness check on a still-alive human woman who's, like... A suicide Across risk, the courtyard. Severely depressed. He's like, I should definitely, like, focus on this other situation. Like, Miss, yeah. 
Miss Torso and or the Thorwalds. Yeah, exactly. And Miss Lonely Hearts because she's el- like older, because she's unmarried, because she's like coded as, uh, you know, insane because of, and she's coded as insane because of her singlehood and not because of any like chemical misfiring that may be occurring in her brain. It's a very, right. very repugnant portrayal of mental health and it like reinforces this sort of like hysteria and mania being inherent to femininity and womanhood. Uh, and yeah, like men become violent, men drink themselves to death and become violent. Like women are, you know, weak and they like express their mental health problems through like weakness it's kind of just nasty it's pretty nasty i also don't like the idea that like all of her mental health issues hinged on her being single her being single exactly super um, problematic a relationship will not save you from your mental health uh it might stave it off for a little while but it's not gonna cure you uh there is no cure but it's like it's also okay to be single it's okay not to be in a relationship it's okay to be aromantic it's okay to be asexual being in a relationship isn't the end all be all of our existence like yeah but if there isn't that culture in like Greenwich fucking village like where is it safe to be (laughs) well I guess Miss Hearing Aid is like I don't fucking care shut up (laughs) but right um, like Miss Lonely Hearts is allowed to have a vision of what her life should look like without you know, being, like, kind of mocked and, like, you know, pigeonholed into this very, like, specific stereotype of a single woman in the 50s that, like, can't seem to catch a man. Has to have a husband. Yeah. Uh, uh, And that's also, like, societal pressures. It's like, maybe she hasn't found someone that she wants to be with yet. And because she's, what, 31? Like, she's, like, an elderly (laughs) shrew. Yeah. Uh... And yeah, like she shouldn't have to like give in to these disgusting men who probably invited himself. This man who invited himself in and like, For, like threw a himself or whatever. Yeah, like literally threw himself, her. like smothered her entire body on her couch and writhed. I hate to say it, but it happened. Disgusting. Uh, and yeah, like it's. I don't know. It almost went there with the portrayal of like what women had to go through then, what women continue to have to go through now. It like Except almost there, went there. It's like okay, like we get it. These two single women are like leading existences that you know we can't understand everything about from face value. Like Mabel, aka Miss Torso, has <laughs> a stable relationship who yeah. she is loyal to, who like is not traditionally attractive, who returns home at like you know, and they have. Like, love, they have kinship. Uh, but also, like, it's more jocular. Like, it's made to be silly instead of made to be, like, yeah. oh, interesting. Like, she has layers that we didn't have access to because we're taking it, like, we're taking this information through the male gaze. And, like, right. Lisa obviously is crafted as our ideal of what womanhood should look like. Uh, and then all of the other women in the, like, vicinity are compared against Lisa because they're compared... You know, through the eyes to of To perfection. Yeah. So it's, it's also just... like... You can't, like, trust... I mean, you can't trust what you're seeing because of, like... And, I mean, some of that may be intentional, but I don't think Hitchcock is a radical feminist that was considering no. these, like, layers of, like, the femme experience. So, yeah, it's, it's shitty. Like, there are a lot of... There's a lot of, 
Like, the murder, like, the central plot, the murder, the way the murder is solved, flawlessly executed, super interesting, super cool. The state, like, everything about the environment feels good and feels, Mm -hmm. like, um, like, engaging. But, yeah, there are, like, these people that don't have names don't are allowed to experience agency or layers like miss hearing aid is made ridiculous by her disability <laughs> like right that's so and the fact that up. she's also not conventionally attractive and is older and has like a silly hobby like sculpting i thought she was a hottie in her I little like outfit with the bra her. yeah same great haircut honestly is that the haircut what i've haircut. been going for <laughs> yes i think you've achieved it i also think like Lisa, played by Grace, played to perfection by Grace Kelly, is, like, layered and multifaceted, but ultimately not uh, not di- not delved into as much as she should have been. Like, well, she's also, like, she's... rich, she's successful, she's smart, she's beautiful, but she has to be tethered to this really shitty man, wherein if she had her own agency not written and directed by a man, she would have long ago left LB Jeffries for something else because she's too smart for him. Right, and like she still... She, it's like, you know, every woman in every movie we've ever talked about, like to be acceptable, you have to be exceptional. Like you have to right. do everything. She's a Mary Sue. Or you're not like, you're not worth like discussing or giving space to. And why does she have to adopt his hobbies at the end? Like she right. adopts his lifestyle. She basically, this whole experience is like her proving herself worthy of his attention for, for and him. his respect. Yeah. And she has like a badass life that she like fucking doesn't need him for, you know? Yeah, I, I resent so the fact. unbelievable that she would be chasing this motherfucker. Like, Ugh, get, get your head I right. I cannot Hitch block. suspend my belief. <laughs> Hitch block. <laughs> uh, I, I think I really also resent the fact that these three women are, like, because Miss Hearing is really just like a punchline and a joke. Yeah. But that, like, Miss Torso, Miss Lonely Hearts, and Lisa are all sort of these metaphors and symbols to our central male male protagonist is that like Miss Lonely Hearts is what he could become if he doesn't take Lisa as a partner. Miss Torso finally accepts her this partner who is not conventionally attractive the way that like he's gonna accept someone who's different from him and yeah. it's finally accepting Lisa and then Lisa is this like perfect person who has to change herself and like r- prove herself worthy to this man who has done nothing but reject her and dismiss her outright. And be, like, cruel for no He's reason. He's cruel. When they're having dinner, she's serving him lobster. She, bought, she like, is trying to, like, make this whole event of, like, his final Carl. week in the cast. Carl came over. Oh, God. Carl. She should be with Carl. And he... He was nice so, to her. He was very nice and sweet. And she, like, is serving them lobster and she hears the piano music and she's like it's like they're being it's being played just for us and he's like no wonder he's struggling with it like he's just such a dick dick yeah he's a a fucking dick full dick full shaft (laughs) tip scrotum tip to scrotum that's him yeah fucking sucks like yeah and i feel like this i mean hitchcock is like Should obviously an influential director. Obviously, do you want to get into what a I don't ass, know? Are we, he's ass such wipe. a fucking dick. Like he's a he's an ass wipe. Like if you've never, 
He's like I, the fucking prototype for Stanley Kubrick. Like, what a fucking asshole. I, yeah, he's an abuser. He should have been investigated and interrogated. Fix your bangs. Uh, sorry, The sorry. way that he treated Tippi Hedren, uh, criminal. It's yeah. horrible. And that, like, precedent, like I said, like, that sets the precedent for the way that women are still abused by directors to elicit a reaction because there's they can't be like trusted to inherently like fulfill act the role and act and do their exactly. job. They can do it. You don't have to abuse a woman in order to get a performance out of her again. Yeah, we'll say it as many times as we have to. Is Tippi Hedren still alive? I think she died in like no man. She's alive. No, she's alive. She's alive. So, yeah, so in She's the birds, 91 years young, kicking it in New Mexico. Or, sorry, good Minnesota. For her. I wrote it backwards. <laughs> Oops. Uh, yeah, I think he he always hired, like, young, I'm blonde. so sorry. We have to stop. I'm having a brain moment. Tippi Hedren is Melanie Griffith's mom. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Melanie Griffith is Dakota Johnson's mom. Or whatever the fuck her name is. Uh, uh, sure. She did like, she was the Fifteen Shades of of Grey lady. I know who Melanie Griffith is, but remind me of who. She's Griffith. Uh, Dakota Johnson is the protagonist in the Suspiria remake. Which I've been like dying to get. I have to not watch. seen. I know. I haven't okay, watched it. Okay, okay. We'll talk about it offline. Tell we'll say what it. you were gonna say. I'm sure you forgot because I interrupted you. I don't remember. But so he <laughs> so oh, no, Hitchcock he would typically often, cast like blonde women, like blonde, blonde women. Yeah. Where he has like including Grace Kelly has like corroborated that he would make like sexual jokes, but she like quote found them funny which i doubt which she was like forced to, to do that, oftentimes yeah. yeah but tippy hedren he hired her she was a novice actress he proceeded to manipulate her and her image uh while while filming the birds he like she had to film the scene in the attic where he threw live birds at her even though she explicitly signed on because she thought there would be no live animals involved he made inappropriate jokes told like sexual stories through like constantly invited her to dinner and to lunch and then at one point he threw himself on her uh she refused and then when she was cast in her his next movie she was called into his office and then he did something like really explicit um and then she like ran out uh cast and crew thought that she just he just had like a crush on the young ingenue but it was false um he was a sexual predator uh, and then she like didn't say anything because women often couldn't say anything at all. Uh, yeah. And it was like chalked up to him to being like socially awkward and insecure with his image because he's he's was fat. Um, and then it was often said that his secretaries would be called into his office and then leave having done sexual favors um, for money. And it was just like totally pushed under under the rug by most prominently his colleague scriptwriter. Uh, often corroborator Peggy Robinson, who knew all of this and allowed it to happen. So. Do you think his wife knew? She's also a collaborator. Yeah, I'm sure she did. Oh, so nasty. Disgusting. He's disgusting. I'm so happy and, he's dead. 
I can't. I'm. I'm upset. But I can't believe that like film bros are to this day like defending him. It doesn't uh, mention this anywhere on his Wikipedia page, which is pretty surprising. Of course, uh, but he. But the Tippy Hedren's book came out like a year before the Me Too movement, so it's like, like pretty much dismissed when yeah. she first read it as like her just trying to get attention. Bullshit. That's fucked. Let's read it. We should read it together. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Alfred. Uh, yeah, disgusting. Man. I mean, you watch his movies and you're like, wow, he fucking hates women. He hates women. Like, <laughs> it's like all of the nuance uh, brought to like Lisa and to Stella is due entirely to the actress. I mean, it's not. Portrayals. It's not the way the character is written at all. No, 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 not like at all. Lisa. I mean, Lisa is played exceptionally by Grace Kelly, and I wouldn't be surprised <sighs> if I. Like to learn that some of her shit was improv improvised because I the mean the way it's, that she I don't know just like the way that she I love Grace Kelly and like I under like oh my she's god a my beautiful mom was person, obs- but. obsessed with Princess Grace yeah <laughs> yeah she became a princess of Monaco which is like gross down with the monarchy but uh, she's just like but so she was charming like, and I guess charismatic we'll just go to Monaco and marry a prince like she did it in like a year yeah <laughs> it's also like. He tried to call her back for, um, so that for Marnie, Hedren, for Marnie, and mm-hmm. she refused. Uh, wonder why? Because she was like, "I'm a princess. Her, yeah, I don't like, need to, to deal with your bullshit anymore." <laughs> is this the only? Um, is this the only Hitchcock movie she appears in? No, she was in two others. I think she was in. Not Dial M for Murder, but one of the other ones. Uh, but yeah, this is her. I think final Hitchcock performance, and then she did another movie, and then she was out she was a count. princess. She's yeah. a princess, yeah. She um, is in Dial M for Murder, and she is also yeah, okay. uh, hold on to Catch a Thief mm. with Carrie. I think Grant. Those are her first one, right? Yeah, no, Rear Window or Dial M for Murder, both nineteen fifty four. But uh, gross. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, the and Mrs. Thorwald also gets a bad treatment. Like she's shown as being naggy, and like uh, L. B. Jeffrey's idea of what yeah. a, having a wife would be there's is like a constantly lot nagging of, and naming things. Yeah, there's a lot of that. It's um, not great. Not great. Uh, not and great. She's murdered and she's not seen again. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I would say like, oh, she gets justice, but it's really more about. Um, his pet project, like Jeff's pet project. Whoa, it got really like moody and dark over there. What's going on? Uh, the sunset, and I ha- don't have any lights on. <laughs> there we go. Um, it's yeah, his like his vanity project, his own, uh, like you know, efficacy and um, his own like effectiveness. And value as a reporter because he currently is unable to do his job. Like, it's not about the woman that was murdered. It's about himself and his construction of himself as, like, you know, important still, still important, and... even though he can't take pictures, which is internalized capitalism. Everything is internalized capitalism, you guys. Sorry to say. It all is. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. Have we said enough? Have we said anything at all? I think we've said it all. It was 1954. I'm just gonna say it. 
BIPOC existed in 1954, exists to this day, could have been cast in this movie. It's bullshit to think that they couldn't. We're, like, essentially, like, driven out of these neighborhoods to Harlem during this time because of predatory rental and um, leasing practices done by racist white landlords. Like, their story is the story of New York. They're there. They exist. They have existed. Um, And, yeah, it's super fucked up. And if you are interested in learning a little bit more about the Great Migration and the way that things like went for black people leaving the Jim Crow South. I learned a lot from The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson, especially about like how predatory leasing agents and landlords were um, and how they were just like basically redlining people into impossible situations after they were coming to cities uh, to build a life after escaping like neo-slavery, basically. Uh, It's pretty fucked up, man. Uh, And it's a trend... Uh, and an American I- staple that has existed to this day. Uh, gentrification is alive and well. Uh, we, none of us are supposed to own houses. Maybe never will. Uh, it's wild. I hate capitalism. Down, 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 down with capitalism. Yeah, fuck it. <sighs> All right, what else do you want to fuck? We haven't fucked uh, stuff in a while. Fuck, yeah, fuck landlords. Fuck all landlords. You're a criminal if you're a landlord. Yeah, sorry. If your income um, is dependent on the income of other people, then you don't have a job. (laughs) Like, what you're doing is... you're a criminal. You're doing an unethical thing. Yeah. Uh, Fuck uh, dispensaries owned by white people. I hate it. I hate it. Have you had a bad experience recently? No, there's just a... So Phoenix has a uh, new... There's going to be like a weed farmer's market. Uh, cool. And yeah, right down the street, there's people incarcerated for minor marijuana charges. So free them all. Yeah. Uh, prison industrial complex is a bunch of bullshit. Can't do it. I, I can't. I mean, yeah. It's extremely insane. And yeah. But when fuck, white people... Fuck Ronald Reagan, who built a shit ton of prisons and incarcerated a lot of black and brown bodies for minor drug charges during his reign of terror. I hope and he's bur- is like, burning in hell right now. Burning in hell. Um, but yeah, I think like Reagan did it. Reagan started it. And everyone was like, wait, we can make money off of prisoners. Wait, what? Let's keep doing it. And yeah. it exists to this day. Uh, people are still cops. People are still working in prisons. Don't do that. Why are you doing that? Stop doing it. Companies that you patronize every day benefit from prison labor. And it's Disgusting. your responsibility to learn which ones do and divest from them. I've got which an is inf- really, it's really graphic on my phone. and Dude, it's, my um, fucking retirement plan, my only option at work is fidelity. And I don't want to have fidelity anymore because they benefit from prison labor. It's widely known. But my shitty state job doesn't give us an option. And when we were like, hey, what if we, like, didn't do that? They, like, just shot us down without even listening. So everything sucks. Everything sucks. Can't wait for the revolution. Uh, I honestly, like, I know owning a gun isn't, like, a great plan. Guns for the left. Guns for the left because... When the class war breaks out and the revolution happens, all of the, like, crazy motherfuckers on the right are going to have 
guns and then the rest of us aren't like we have to eat the rich we have to kill mexicans them. have guns i'm gonna say it now mexicans love guns a lot we, a lot not a lot of other latinx people love guns but uh does caesar have like, a gun caesar has a gun we have a handgun i've never used it i don't know how to use it i don't even want to touch it i'm gonna get Whoa, a machete we have to get salvadorians like machetes that's where Whoa. i'm at all right we gotta talk have caesar talk adam into getting a gun so we're prepared uh, somebody at work was like What do you think about gun rights And I was like uh, I think we should have a waiting period I don't think I wish no one had a gun But now that people have guns I think that the wrong people have guns And maybe the right people should have guns It's a complicated That's the thing. issue like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think it makes any sense That people own a stick That can murder another person A murder, like, a murder It's a object. murder stick <laughs> Yeah, Like the fact that they exist And in our circulation in, Are in circulation at all Is bonkers But at this point Like what the fuck are we gonna do I mean, like, I don't think the military should have, like, I, the military I don't budget think the military and all this, like, $7.3 trillion dollars for the military, and they're like, we're broke, no wonder why. Like, I wonder fucking why. Where's our money? No money for Medicare for all. Sorry, God. we have to kill children. Yeah. Gotta kill Palestinian babies. Sorry. Gotta go. Bye. <laughs> wow, what the fuck? America is a bad place, you guys. <laughs> Jeez, burst creepers, and everyone's like, "Back the blue," and I'm like, "I'm gonna take a baseball bat to your back truck window." Can't wait, dude. Is it immoral or like wrong to just steal Blue Lives Matter signs? Uh, I've come around. I think I'm at like, my I don't communist love, point like, where like I don't think most theft is wrong, especially it depends on who you're stealing from. But like, steal from a corporation, do it. Yes, do if you if you are. Uh, in a grocery store and you see someone shoplifting? No, you fucking didn't. Keep you didn't your see it. fucking shut mouth shut. So I was in a, so I live like kind of uh, in like the hood. I think It's not like bad. I'm not like in a bad neighborhood, but we're like definitely like <coughs> a large BIPOC community. I also think we need to decolonize what being in a bad neighborhood even fucking means. Like I like my neighborhood. I like I my like little. I like your neighborhood. It's cool. Uh, Everyone was really like, nice. There, yeah, there's like sort of a large like uh, houseless community, and I was in the CV. I had to stop for gas, and then I needed. I forget what I needed, but I went to the CVS, and there was like a woman sitting in front of like right in front of the doors on the inside though, and she's like sitting with her backpack and her sign and whatever. And then this guy, I was waiting in line in this like absurdly long line, and this guy came in grab stuff and left and she the person sitting on the floor with her sign was like that guy stole something that guy stole something and then the guy and the guards came and and I was and then uh and then she when I walked out she like was like oh, you have some change and I didn't say anything because I was like I don't give money to snitches yeah what snitches the fuck? don't get shit from me I'm not gonna you go didn't see in. anything you didn't see anything you should just don't go in there anything. and steal some shit yeah god shut the f- do you work for CVS no shut the fuck do you up you think CVS I was so mad I was like pretty close to yelling at saying her, something that's fucked man yeah don't yeah I don't give a shit you didn't see anything steal. shut the fuck up you gain nothing by snitching on that person like you don't get a medal. CBS doesn't tell you that you're good. You're like a good person and like give you a, you know, give you money. Like it's, you know, no. Upset. No. I was a upset. Mad. <sighs> I was big mad. Anyway. I got to eat a frozen pizza. It's 930 over here. 
Okay, bye. Bye. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Uh, at Spooky Succubus underscore cast on Instagram. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Spooky Succubus cast. <laughs> Please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or whatever. I don't fucking know. Good luck out there. It's tough. Good luck out there. Please feel Steal free to... stuff if you have to. Yeah. Please shoplift. We endorse it. Don't shoplift from businesses that are owned by Small local businesses. residents. Shoplift from Target and CVS. Walmart. Fries. Walmart. You can't shoplift shop. from Walmart because you'll get accosted by a lunatic. A man who pretends that you ran over his foot with a cart. Well, that's niche. We'll just close it here. <laughs> Bye. Bye.